I'm David Bryan. And I'm Brenda Bryan. This is Renovation Made Right. If you're considering a remodeling project now or sometime in the future, Renovation Made Right is your single source to help guide you through getting the project you want and an experience that you'll enjoy. Renovation Made Right tackles topics that range from how to select the right project and contractor to tips on surviving the remodeling process to best practices for kitchen and bath design. We have over 30 years of experience in the industry and are owners of the well-established design-build remodeling company Black Dog Builders in Salem and Nashua, New Hampshire. We're sitting down with industry professionals to tap into their experiences and insights so we can equip you with the tools you need to make your own project a success. Welcome back to Renovation Made Right. I am Brenda Bryan. And I am David Bryan. And we are so excited to do another uh, Q&A show today, talk about some of the questions we're getting from some of uh, our listeners, and we appreciate it very, very much when you send them in. So please keep them coming. They're super helpful, um, and we really enjoy these shows. So uh, I'm going to kick off the first question. It says, I got a price from a contractor last year for a room addition, and now they're saying it's going to cost about 20% more because of material price increases. Outrageous. Unbelievable. Um, it says, how should I negotiate a better price? And this is from Sam in Lansing, Pennsylvania. So, Sam, I got to tell you, unfortunately, it is real. And I think you have a couple of choices you can make there. Um, that is, um, so right now we're recording this toward the end of October of 2020. Uh, Which is the worst year ever. That is completely untrue. It is a challenging year, but there's a lot of things that could be worse. Okay, Johnny Straight Arrow. Right. Um, so I think that, uh, so the challenge that I we, think, that I think most of our have been a particularly good year. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll move past the philosophy difference on that. That's fine. Um, <laughs> You're and, so chipper. And so. It's really annoying. So the, <laughs> so the challenge is that uh, because we have had, so everybody who's been dealing with uh, living through the pandemic and understands uh, supply shortages, right? So <laughs> what happened with toilet paper and paper towels in the beginning mm. ultimately has happened uh, with lumber. Mm-hmm. Right? And so for a, for a large part of the pandemic... And by the way, those two things are connected. Lumber are. and paper are. paper but, products. And they're renewable. Yeah, so they are. The challenge here is that um, that in the beginning, I think a lot of construction slowed down. And so that there was not as much demand on lumber. And so what was in the marketplace was actually serviceable for a while. And then uh, construction, interestingly enough, because now everyone got trapped in their homes uh, and started looking around their homes and thinking, wow, I don't like this so much. I want to do work on my house. Mm -hmm. So actually construction has been really strong Mm -hmm. uh, in the latter part of the pandemic. And so I think what, uh, and then, and, and to compound that problem, during the early part of the pandemic, many of the production facilities, the mills uh, and logging shut down, mm-hmm. right? Um, for safety, health, safety reasons, whatever the deal was, but they did. And they, and they, and, and I and think for because, sometimes like a couple months, right. you know, just and, like completely shut down. And I think the presumption was out of the early out of the gate. Oh, people are going to be, this pandemic is going to be a problem for our, for the marketplace. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to flood the market with lumber. So we're going to stop production. Right. And, and then in fact, just the opposite happened mm-hmm. uh, and construction took off and now there wasn't enough lumber in the marketplace. Uh, and so uh, prices skyrocketed like mm-hmm. to the, to, to points where we literally had never seen them before. Right. right? And um, like, as an example, if it, it, it is literally, this is the case. Uh, if you were looking for a kiln-dried 2x4, 
the just the, the the regular standard building lumber. And if a, if a kiln dried two by four cost you five bucks before the pandemic, at its peak it would cost you ten. Literally, the lumber had doubled in price. That's insane. Now, so so is it unreasonable for uh, this con this this uh, listener to see, to have a twenty percent bump in their project? It depends on how lumber intensive their project is. Like mm-hmm. it, like if you're building a deck. You're darn right. You're going to see a big honking increase, mm-hmm. much more than twenty percent. Mm-hmm. If you're building a kitchen re- renovation project, probably not at all. Probably you're going to have a very minor bump mm-hmm. because the kind of things that might be impacted are 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 different ma- building materials that aren't as insignificant problems. Like so, you know. Uh, have we seen that also with the, the cabinet manufacturers? Have there really. been increases? Not really yet. Uh, and the increases have, if to the extent that there have been, they've been minor, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the, that's uh, it's mostly on things like framing lumber. Uh, press-treated lumber, which is the lumber we use outside for decks, and uh, sheathing, which is different types of plywood. Mm -hmm. So those three areas are the most affected. Now, as of recently, we're we're seeing problems with things that are like like roofing shingles. Problems not just in price increases, which are relatively, I mean, compared to lumber, a price increase of 7 to 10% isn't that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now we're seeing uh, long delays in receiving them. Right. Right. And right. so that's, again, a, a, I think a ripple effect of And we were seeing shutdowns. that, too, right, with, uh, with our cabinet companies. Cabinet, right. So right. We had cabinet our lead times are way, way out. Yeah, now they're back. Now they're back down, so right. that's good. Uh, but but that's a direct result of the shutdowns and how mm-hmm. long they were producing for, right? Right. So, unfortunately, um, the, the reality is that you could be seeing that kind of a bump and the percent increase you might see. So most recently, and now they're coming back down, by the way. So here we are, end of October. Uh, the lumber, the, the graphs that I've looked at, the lumber actually spiked in August. Mm-hmm. But we as consumers, the, the contractors buying the lumber, that's that's what the pricing was for the wholesalers in August. But they're buying material that they're probably not actually selling mm-hmm. until September. Right. right, and so the August pricing we might be realizing in the September October frame, um, and so you'll look at if you looked up online uh, lumber pricing, and they sell they they basically do lumber by like thousand of board foot kind of pricing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll see this really really steep climb into the August time frame, and then you'll see a precipitous drop, and it's coming back down. Okay. And sure enough, we just te- checked pricing recently, and it has started coming down. It always seems to come down slower than it goes it up. It really does, and it never quite even. It never quite it reaches the point seem, it was at right? before. No. Um, and so, uh, so at any rate, uh, depending on the mix of your project and the type of lumber it's using to to build, you're going to see different percentage increases. Um, and the only thing you can effectively do to avoid that is delay your project. Mm-hmm. Right. If you push your project out, the likelihood is that lumber prices will continue to come down. Uh, but I don't know of another way around that. Yeah, or by by how much, right? Well, and then and then pushing it out, you could run into some other problem. Maybe, supply or maybe. But I but my belief is that uh, as as uh, the, the mills crank back up and we get back to normal production, mm-hmm. it will actually normalize again. Mm-hmm. If you look at a twenty year average of lumber. It's relatively steady. There's always a little weirdness that goes on, but mm-hmm. it's relatively steady. Right. Um, and uh, and so, anyway, that's the answer to that question. Okay. Very good. All Thank right. you very much. My pleasure. Uh, so let's see. Our next question is from Martha in Salisbury, Mass. And she says, we want to remodel our master bath, but my husband and I are both in a high-risk category for COVID. How can we do our project and keep ourselves safe? Awesome question, Martha. So... Uh, when and you know, it certainly still is a moving target, and here we are in the fall, and we're seeing sort of spikes nationwide. Mm-hmm. And and um, I think everyone, hopefully, I know in our area, in our company, everyone has sort of ratcheted up their level of care and mm-hmm. being careful. 
but at the end of the day, I think what you need to be doing is working with a contractor who is is respectful and cognizant of the precautions that are required. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of things that can be done to keep you and your home safe. Uh, so uh, courting off the space mm-hmm. uh, are things that, that we do. Uh, having uh, Which makes abil- it a little, I mean, this this question specifically was talking about master bath, which is off right. and off a master bedroom. So right. I guess in that case, if there's another bedroom you could move into and exactly. another and another bathroom you could be using during the time that you're in the project and right. limit your your uh, proximity to it, it's a much smarter way to go. Correct. And, and most homes that have a master bath mm-hmm. have another bath. Right. Right. Um, and so... Uh, so that's the that's one way to do that. Isolate yourself into a space other than where the crew is working, mm-hmm. um, and then agree on uh, what we're going to use for a main path of travel, mm-hmm. and uh, also agree that the tradesmen, when they're um, transiting in the house from the from the front of the house to the workspace, that they are always masked up mm-hmm. in that during that process, mm-hmm. and that they're respectful of that. Right. Uh, also, you know, the ability for people to wash their hands and clean up is an important part process as well. So sure. access to a sink, mm-hmm. and if they don't have access to a sink, like in our case, we built eight job site sinks, mm-hmm. uh, so that for, uh, for on projects where contractor where our where our guys don't have access to a sink, they can we put one on site. They can mm-hmm. wash their hands and maintain right. uh, some level it gets of hygiene. a little harder. Now that we're heading into it does. winter, though, it does. No you know? doubt about it. No doubt about it. Um, and but but then the rest of it is basic. The rest of it's wiping down the job site uh, and w- with you know with the appropriate cleaner uh, and also having hand sanitizer on site. But then more than that, uh, the last piece of it is if we could create negative air pressure in the space we work, that does a couple mm, things. Negative yep. air pressure means we're constantly pulling air from the house and exhausting it outside. Mm-hmm. That keeps dust down. That also mm-hmm. keeps any of the air in the workspace from migrating into the house. Mm-hmm. We're actually pushing it out the window. Mm-hmm. So we have machines uh, that uh, clean the air and then exhaust the air out a window. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's probably the ideal scenario to make sure that uh, that we're not uh, having any problems. And we also follow COVID protocols on the job site where uh, the, the lead carpenter running the project is required to ask uh, health-related questions of anybody on that site, mm-hmm. whether that's our electrician coming on, right. whether that's our another carpenter being on site. Um, so there's a bunch of things that, that can be done, but all of them get down to you having a conversation with your contractor about how, and I, don't drive this bus, by the way. Do not do not tell do not ask the contractor. Are you doing X, Y, and Z? Mm-hmm. Ask the contractor what are you doing to keep me safe, mm-hmm. right? And let their answer decide help you decide whether or not they're on they're top the, of it or yeah, not. Yeah, and are they the right person? To right, hire because to if their project. answer is like yeah, COVID schmovid, you know, uh, then you you got a problem. Yeah. Not the right guy. Exactly. But the, the answer the reality is we've been working for numbers of clients who are in a higher risk category uh, and been doing it successfully. And been doing it respectfully and carefully, uh, but uh, but you, you got to be thinking about it. Right, absolutely. Okay, moving on. Uh, here's a question from Marianne in Derry, New Hampshire. I'm living in a very old home. It's an 1830s farmhouse, and the floors slope a lot, like over two inches from one side of my kitchen to the other. That's a big slope. Yeah. Yeah. Don't drop your rolling pin. Or your marbles. Your marbles. <laughs> <laughs> I drop my marbles all yeah, the time. You do. Yeah. Um, what should I do to fix it? What, what you? I That's think the question. Is, yeah. But no, not not about my marbles. No. <laughs> She's asking what she should do to fix the slope in her floor. Okay. I can't fix the marbles. Do you have an opinion right. of that? Uh, well, so we have done quite a few projects for clients that have significant slopes to their. Um, uh, homes. The problem is sometimes the cure is worse than the affliction to begin with. And so you have to decide how far you're willing to go down this rabbit hole of fixing this slope. 
And, uh, you know, usually it comes that you've got a sinking foundation and everything follows after that. And so it's a very old home. It's not going to fall apart. It's been there for a long time. I mean, this is almost 200 years, this this house. And, um, you know, it's not going to come. It's, it's At that point, it's sort of aesthetic. So let's talk about how you could go about fixing some of the problems. Like what are some of the solutions and why would you or not want to do them? So I agree w- with what you're saying. And I think part of it is, you know, if you if you made the choice to buy an older home, mm-hmm. whether it's an old farmhouse or, or whatever, uh, part of the choice I think you make is accepting the imperfections that go with that, mm-hmm. right? If you bought an old farmhouse and, and and your aspirations are to make it perfect, you're going to have a long road, yeah. right? Um, and the, and the, the big issue is to correct the floor like that, it's often, it's maybe less typical of the foundation settles, but more often that maybe columns in the middle of the house mm-hmm, settle, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, that, and that some of the structural framing may have settled over time or have been undersized at the time the house was built. And so as we load that framing with today's appliances and today's, you mm-hmm. know, uh, granite countertops, and that now you've overloaded the floor for what it was designed for and, and it's sagging, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to balance your uh, desire for perfection with what, like, is it appropriate for the house? So we can actually go ahead and install a kitchen. And we have installed kitchens where, uh, installed cabinetry where the floor's been yeah, four remember one. Yeah, I was going to say, it's almost yeah. four, one of them. Right. Like, you could actually, like, you almost felt like you're running downhill right. in this space. And and we obviously install our cabinetry level. We're not going to not, not do that. Uh, but in that scenario, it, it would have caused so much other damage in the house to try to lift that floor up. Yeah, so let's talk um, about the kind of damage. Yeah, that, so that if, you, if you're trying to lift up the, a, a part of the house to get to a point where, like we typically use lasers to try to get a sense of how far off a floor is. So you set up a laser and you can figure out where the high spots are, where the low spots are, and maybe you can take off some of the curse mm-hmm. by um, improving some areas and straightening some things out. However, how do you do that? In a two-story home, well, you'll, you'll typically do that in the basement by jacking things, lifting mm-hmm. things, or sistering up the framing mm-hmm. to add additional strength if they're mm-hmm. sagging and things like that. Um, and, but when you, but if you're lifting, let's let's say you, the idea that you want to raise the height of your carrying beam and you want to lift things up, that's fine, but it has a ripple effect, right? So if you're in a two-story home. And you try to lift things up. You're going to pop. Cra- you're going to pop plaster in yep. the adjoining spaces, yep. right? So pl- plaster has now been very happy for a very long time, right? A- a- in this crooked fashion, right? Right. And uh, and in and if you go to move things uh, in any meaningful way, you're probably going to have some problems. So yep. or or your windows won't quite open, or right? right you know, there's right. all kinds of stuff that's been sitting there for a long, long time in its happy right. place. Right. And, 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 and so you can have it. these sort of downstream effect right. of doing this. Um, so another way to deal with it is, okay, we're going to just solidify things there right now, mm-hmm. where they are right make, now. Make sure they don't get worse in we're, the next right? 50 years, right? And, and work with what we have. Mm-hmm. Or you can actually end up creating a false floor on top of the old floor mm-hmm. and and repitch the floor. But even in that scenario, you want to stiffen the floor, the existing underlying, sure. un- un- underlying floor, stiffen that so that it doesn't have a problem. But you can, like our carpenters can actually... Put, do what they call sleepers. We can put sleepers on top of existing floors, mm-hmm. which essentially have a reverse pitch. So if your floor is two inches out, we can cut wood strips that go from taper from two inches to tw- to zero inches over 12 feet mm-hmm. and apply those and essentially then create a level floor on top of an unlevel floor. Right. But, but 
to transition to the next room. Exactly. Right. Wherever you are now transitioning into the dining room, now you've got a two-inch step that your grandmother will trip over. Yes. Right? And uh, <laughs> you you want to be careful of that because that's a problem, right? Yeah. So so there's a lot of different alternatives. Um, and uh, But I would be careful. I would, I would consider that when you guys, if you choose to buy an older home, you're buying character. Right. And... and and don't then put that same character under the pressure of perfection mm-hmm. uh, because it costs a lot of more, a lot of heartburn and heartache in the process and a lot of money, right? right? Because if you do say, make it perfect, that's fine. But you're also saying, okay, gut the second floor hallway and maybe gut the bedroom on the second floor right. because we're going to trash the plaster. Plaster, right? right and exactly. we're going to have to redo that. Oh, not right. a problem if money is no object, but... Well, we've also had to be, buy antique homes and really just do a full gut. Right? Correct. They Correct. just like take it all yeah. down, straighten stuff up, right. replace all the windows, replace all the blah blah blah. You know, right? right? They they do all that process. Yeah. yeah. And if that's where you are, if, right. and and you love the antique home concept, but the problem is if you're doing that, mm-hmm. you're pretty much then taking all the antique nature out of the house right. exactly. by gutting it and making it perfect, right? Yep. Um, so, so you're almost better by just building a new home of, and doing it as a reproduction. Or you're, right? almost, or you're almost better just saying, I love it just the way it is. Yep, now, yep. But your alternative of the gutting also then does let you improve the building, right? Because mm-hmm. every antique home has got uh, a lot of baggage. Right? Yeah, rot, most of it, rotten. Well, there's the, there's the rot problem, but a lot most of it is efficiency-wise. Mm-hmm. Super hard to have mm-hmm. a much older home that you make really efficient uh, without doing a full gut. Right. And, uh, and so there's a balance between the charm and the draft on the back of your neck while you're watching TV at night. Right. right? So, so, all right. What do Excellent. we got? We got one more? Yeah, we got one more. All right, more. let's do it. Okay. Um, it is, is it worth testing for lead paint in my home? Wait, who is this? I'm sorry. I'd like to know who this is. Oh, it's Sarah. Hi, Sarah. And she's from Hop- Hopkinton, Mass. I said, is it worth testing for lead paint in my home? I just had a baby, and I'm concerned about his health. Great. So, uh, I think the answer is, in that application, Yes. Uh, when you do test for lead paint, your home is, and if the answer is positive, then your home is, is that, that's kind of effectively registered, and your home is now known for having lead paint in it. Right. Um, so when you go to sell your home, that can be, that baggage that can follow can you. That can follow you. Well, okay, so let's just back up for a minute. Uh, time frame of when, when you could expect to see lead paint in the home. Oh, great. So um, any house that is pre-1978. Okay. Right. So today we have this thing called uh, the Residential Renovation and Paint Law, mm-hmm. and that applies to homes that were pre-1978 because post-1978, lead paint was illegal. Mm-hmm. Right. So we generally don't find much uh, lead paint activity. Maybe there was a little bit of hold over there for people that had a few gallons of paint left, but right. uh, but generally speaking, that's gone away. Yeah. But so, pre- Sarah, yeah. if your house was built in 1980, no. You, you don't, don't have need, a problem. No, yeah. you've got no problem. So that's the first thing. Right. But, if, but if it was after, it built after that uh, and you... Or uh, before that, yeah. I'm uh, sorry, before that, pardon me. Uh, then having a test is a good idea. But once again, I think that a lot of the danger is is in much older homes where there's flaking mm-hmm. and lead paint becomes a problem when it becomes, um, you know, airborne, mm-hmm. right? And so construction work creates a problem yep. for sure, right? Especially sanding. Like, yeah, you don't want to do that, yep. right? And in fact, on the on the residential renovation and paint side of things, if we're doing a project and we're disturbing more than seven square feet uh, on on the inside or twenty five square feet on the outside, we have to follow these certain protocols, right? Certain, right? Yeah. Um, and that means that when we're doing demolition work, we actually are instead of just shoveling demolition work out the window and throwing it in a dumpster or being uh, you know, it's dealing with things in bulk, you're actually bagging material, mm-hmm. and when you take stuff so off, and, yeah, you're yep. bagging material, bringing bags out of the house. So you're so you're creating less of that airborne contaminant, mm-hmm. and and you're also 
uh, encapsulating the entire space in plastic, and our guys are being, you know, um, using different procedures, right? Right. But uh, if you don't have a lot of issues with uh, peeling, and you don't, you're not worried, worried that there's a likelihood of a lot of lead-based dust mm-hmm. in the home. Your child is probably just fine. Yeah. But if you do engage in a renovation project, that's a totally different story. And mm-hmm. then a renovation project, you should positively be testing mm-hmm. um, in a pre seventy eight house to ensure that yes, you do have it, and that yes, your contractor is then going to use the procedures to keep you and your kids safe. Right. Right. And not a bad idea to uh, to get a lead level on your child to mm-hmm. to check their blood um, to see what their their pre sort of the baseline. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Nice and then idea. check it again. Yeah. So. Um, the other thing that I know like a lot of homeowners think about and one of the things we've talked about in the past is um, just when you talk about encapsulating, if you're concerned that you have a window that is painted with lead paint, can you just paint over it? So the answer is uh, yes, you certainly can paint over it, but that does not like you still have the same risk when you go to renovate. If, if that window comes out, that would have still got to be treated like lead paint. Window, right. No, right? I do understand that, but I'm just yes. saying, you know, in terms of the 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 being concerned about her child. Uh, yes. So, because um, I mean, this is this is the thing you think about is like your baby like gnawing on your your <laughs> the windowsill, looking out the window, which right. is what they all do, right? Right. right. But uh, but then you have to worry about Harvard because right. that right? is a good so, point. Yeah. Um, Community college. <laughs> so the answer is you know there are there are certainly ways to uh, um, to keep the kids safe. But the ideal scenario is to remove from the house. Right. right. Encapsulating is a fallback kind of position and right. not the best solution. Right. So. so you did mention um, if you if you do test and it does come back positive, then there's going to be a record of that, right? Correct. Yeah. If you have a testing agency do that, you can right. buy lead, lead testing. tests at a home center. And just do it yourself. Yeah. And, and, uh, and they're, they look, they, they're kind of a, it's a process where you sort of rub on something that looks like a piece of chalk sort of. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, uh, and it will let you know what's happening in that regard. Um, and that's probably a really good way to start for a homeowner. You don't have to call a company in necessarily. Right. Um, but if you start, if you see it uh, in multiple places, it's something you need to be thinking about. Right. Right. Okay. So. All right. So that was our last question. And uh, we hope to see you again soon. This is Brenda Bryan at Renovation Made Right. And this is David Bryan. And before I sign off, I want to thank those folks who have been uh, downloading and subscribing and, uh, and who have also been giving us nice reviews. So we appreciate that very much. And, uh, And if you would refer us to your family and friends, we would love that. We want to try to help more people have a good rolling experience. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Be sure to check out the show notes on our website, renovationmaderight.com, and follow us on social media at Renovation Made Right. Don't forget to subscribe, and if you like the show, leave us a review.